On this episode of the Tim Berry Podcast, we sat down with Anita Sue in Midtown Atlanta. She is the owner and operator of Sweet Auburn Barbecue, as well as Gezzo's West Coast Burritos and Lazy Betty. It was a blast to sit down with her and learn more about her and her amazing family. Thanks for checking this out, and I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the Tim Berry Podcast, and today I am sitting here with Anita Sue. Um, owner and operator of many different restaurants here in Atlanta, but um, you might know Gezzo's West Coast Burritos. You've probably heard of Sweet Auburn Barbecue and now their latest venture, Lazy Betty. Uh, what part of town is that on? That's in Candler Park. Candler Park yep, now. Right near Beautiful Pies. new restaurant. I'm so excited to have you here today and thank you for taking the time. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you for Sweet. having me. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to talk a little bit today about how you got to where you are. Um, Anita is comes from a dynamite restaurateur family. Um, everyone's very active in the food and restaurant scene. So I wanted to get into a little bit of, of that and how you guys got to where you are and what it takes to get there. And um, we kind of come from similar creative backgrounds. Uh, if you don't know, I play drums in the band Manchester Orchestra. Um, And it's been a long road for me to get to where we are in our careers, in my career. And so I'd kind of like to to dive into some of the similarities that you've experienced in the food world. Um, Give us a little background on your family and how you guys started up the restaurant dynasty that you are now and how do you get there and talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, We're third generation restaurateurs. So my grandparents lived in this little village called Julau in Cebu, Malaysia. And they were basically the village caterers of the village. Wow. Um, So anytime someone had a wedding or like a, a baby was born, they'd always, you know, call my grandmother up and say, all right, you're going to cook us up a feast. Yes. And it was fine. And back then, you know, things were just um, word of mouth kind of thing. And my parents, my grandparents had a farm. So, I mean, everything they cooked was like, they went to their backyard, got the vegetables, got, got the, the chicken. meat. Yeah. I mean, seriously, wow. they got the chicken, yeah. um, cooked it, prepared it, served it right in the same spot. Wow. Um, so that was my grandparents' story. Then my parents um, moved to the States in the 70s okay. and worked at restaurants and um, decided, you know, that's the only way I can really communicate to the American community in a, in a way where they'll understand because food is so universal. Absolutely. And my parents couldn't really speak English that well, but they had grown up cooking food and they lived in San Francisco when they first moved here and realized like, okay, Americans like Chinese food. Mm-hmm. And so they decided, let's bring this idea to the Southeast where Chinese food was not quite as prevalent. Yeah. And so they started off in Alabama, then Alabama moved to Georgia. And that's kind of like where their, their empire really grew. They, awesome. they had at one point seven different Chinese restaurants, wow. all in Henry County, that area. Okay. What brought you them to the South? I'm curious. So it was just kind of serendipitous because my dad had worked as a chef in, well, he had his own restaurant in Malaysia. It was one of the best Chinese restaurants in his area. And someone that had worked for him had actually moved to Alabama for for this opportunity to open up a restaurant. And at the time he had heard my dad had finally moved over and reached out to my dad and said, hey, I need a partner 
do you want to partner with me? So actually, my mom was pregnant with my older brother, and they made the decision that it would be best for the family for my dad to go ahead and move to Alabama, start up this business, get it going, and then when things were were stable for my mom to move. So I would say somewhere after my brother was born, they made the decision to move the whole family to the southeast and um, really kind of grow their empire here. And then from there, growing up in the restaurant every day after school, making wontons and pot stickers and egg rolls, wiping down tables. You just kind of like, it's in your blood, you know, because having a restaurant is not so much just food. I think people think, okay, well, if you have good food, it's a restaurant. No, it's about hospitality. It's about community. It's about um, getting to know your vendors on a personal level, making sure you are getting the quality product you want to serve to your guests. So all that is just kind of second nature for me. And I just carry on that tradition now. So at what point during this process of growing up in a food family in the restaurant, did you start thinking to yourself, I might, I might make this my path in life. When did you have that realization that you wanted to run, own, operate restaurants and be, and make this your life? It wasn't until about my senior year of college, because honestly, up until then, I vowed never to open up a restaurant. You were like, I I can't take this anymore. (laughs) It was like, I want to get away because that's all I was, I knew. And I wanted, you know, to try something new. So I I promised myself I wasn't going to do that. But it's funny how things unfold, because in college, I probably changed my major 10 times (laughs) because I made this promise that I'm not going into the restaurant business. I want to try all these different things. I traveled. I I lived in Asia for about six months and studied acupuncture and got my my, uh, certificate in acupuncture. And I mean, I I thought for sure medicine. You were on a soul quest. I was on a soul quest. What can I do besides restaurant? Yes. But it's funny, the whole time I was in China, all I could think about was all the different types of food. And I mean, I was experiencing all these street vendors and getting to know them by name. And Very cool. It's funny how it's when your you're blood. in the moment, you don't realize that the world is calling to you mm-hmm. and pulling you in this other direction. Yeah. And then you get back. So once I got back to the States, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to do medicine. I want to get back into the food industry. Very cool. So it was just kind of an epiphany. So when you came back, what was your first venture in the restaurant world that really got you guys going? So it would be Gezzo's. Okay. Um, I grew up in—well, I didn't grow up. I grew up in the South, but I was born in California, and we, my family would always go back because, like I said, they have roots in San Francisco. I have family there. So the West Coast culture and lifestyle was still very— um, Prevalent. Prevalent yeah. in my life. Yeah. And burritos were just kind of up and coming, new thing at the time. So I approached my brother and asked him if he wanted to join me and this, you know, start this new restaurant. And he wasn't happy doing what he was doing at the time. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, let's do this. And this is Howard, too. This right? is Howard. Okay. Yep, yeah. My older brother. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have my parents back, um, back us up in getting a loan. Um, and so we opened up our first Gezzo's. At the time, it was called Gecko Grill okay. in um, Morrow, Georgia. And then our second location in McDonough, Georgia. And then our third location in Locust Grove and hopefully more to come. Yeah. yeah. So at this current point, how many restaurants are you guys owning and operating and working on? We have five restaurants now and we're trying to open up a sixth one. Wow. 
Yeah. You guys are, you guys, I don't know why you called it lazy Betty because <laughs> you're definitely not lazy, but um, that's a lot of work. Um, and I think a lot of people would look at y'all and go, man, this is awesome. Look at this successful restaurateur family. And, and they could easily look past some of the hard work and sacrifice and time that it took y'all as a family and as an individual um, you put in a lot of time to get to this point. And um, I like to talk about ingredients. I think with with Manchester, when we're writing songs, when we're working with other artists, you know, it's so much of the quality is the time and the ingredients that you put into the song, the album, you know, to make it the best thing that it can possibly be. How do you guys keep your quality up and choose your ingredients in your restaurant what goes into the thought process of right for this next for you know for sweet opera barbecue this is how we're going to do it and this is the ingredients that we're going to use for for a successful restaurant yeah so it starts off with the brainstorming process so we always start off with well what's the concept going to be right and then we draft like a few different ideas and we come up with like a menu and from there the menu kind of dictates what your ingredients will be and so then we contact all our different purveyors and we do i mean it takes a while to get the right ingredients in i mean we taste test we um play with it. We, you know, how does it bake? How does it grill? How does it fry? How does it taste once you freeze it and then refry mm. it? And then, you know, how does it, um, how does it taste accompanied with that sauce that we wanted to put on it? So there's a lot of that. Um, and then, and then also collaborating with our culinary team, they honestly are kind of the unsung heroes of our restaurants because they're in the grind day in, day out, in the kitchen. They're the ones that know the equipment, know the workflow, the ergonomics and everything. And a lot of times we'll come up with an idea and they're just like, that's impossible because our (laughs) kitchen is set up like this. Yes. And then they have to help us tweak it. So it's truly like a team effort in that degree. Absolutely. Um, And then for Lazy Betty, my brother Ron is the chef. And so it's been really amazing to see his process. His process really is truly, for any artist out there, it's just the creative process of um, constantly editing. I mean, one dish has probably gone through six or seven iterations to finally get to the point where he is like, this is done and this is what it's going to be on the menu. Absolutely. Um, And so that's It's very similar to songwriting though, because you have your first idea and it's like, wow, this is a great idea, but what are we missing here? We need yeah. a better bridge. We need right. a better chorus. We need a better this or that. Yeah. And you circle back around and you address any of the weaknesses. Right. Try to try to snip those things yep. out. But um, I, you know, I think a lot of people are under the impression that you guys just walk back into the in the kitchen and some lightning, you know, strike idea hits you, and it's the first thing you roll out is like that beautiful apple I just saw on Lazy <laughs> Betty's. Yeah, you know, I mean, it probably took a long time to finally Absolutely. finalize that idea, and it's yeah. very similar to the music thing. It's a process. It's not a one. Yep. It's not just a one-time thing. So absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Lazy Betty because this is kind of your current thing mm-hmm. that you've got going on. Mm-hmm. You, the Gezos has been going for a little while, mm-hmm. and I sweep all. Auburn Barbecue has probably been going for what? About eight years. Eight years yeah. now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now you guys have moved on to this kind of third restaurant. Would you say this is maybe your 
biggest venture yet or just different because it's a different style of food? And talk about that a little bit. So I wouldn't say it's our biggest venture, but it's our most, um, I guess, as far as media and uh, reach, it's it's our biggest in that way because Ronald, uh, my younger brother, who's the chef, had— uh, has such a stellar resume and experience working for Eric Repair, who is like one of the most, um, yeah, yeah, respected chefs in the in the world. Wow! And he, so he brings with him a lot of, um, I guess, uh, just clout wow. in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people are paying attention. Very so cool. in that regard, it's the most far-reaching as far as press and people know about right. it. Prestigious. Yeah, yeah, in a way. I mean, we're a very humble, small restaurant, so we don't like to, I don't know, it's not like we're trying to say we're, we're, we have something to prove or show off, but it's, it's just more like people are listening, so yeah. we better perform. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it a little bit. Yeah. A, so in that way, it's the biggest, but it's actually not that big of a— I mean, it seats about 48 people, and we're only open for dinner six days a week, so it, it doesn't have catering right now. I mean, the operations actually is much smaller than Gezzo's or Sweet Auburn, but the food is very exquisite. I mean, you come in, you sit for three hours. That's why we called it Lazy Betty, because we want people to come in and be lazy and take their time very and just cool. really enjoy and be yeah. in the moment. and Really an experience, an eating experience, That's right. right. Yeah. It's not just, you're not just going out to dinner. You're, you're, all your senses should be activated if we're doing what we want yes. correctly. I mean, yeah. visually, the food should just bring you in um the flavors the 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 service i mean everything everything looks i mean we, we got to go down there and visit it everything looks so top notch and clean and just brand new and professional looking and i can't wait to come down there and throw yeah i'd love to have you stuff. but um so uh, yeah so lazy betty is kind of where you're at right now are do you guys have what would you like to see happen with a lazy betty and then some of the other restaurant I mean, at what point do you say, all right, enough is enough. We've got seven <laughs> restaurants now. I mean, or do you, do you guys want to keep, what are your plans for the future? It's funny because I was telling my best friend the other day that I'm, I'm kind of like a, <clears throat> I'm, I'm by nature more of a B type personality, but the nature of my work has turned me into an A type personality. Now you run around just screaming <laughs> at I'm people. And I'm just like this A type personality <laughs> that really wants to go back to being a B type personality. Yeah. Um, but there's, I think it's a blessing and a curse that I'm also like a very, um, goal driven person. And I just love the, the process of seeing something grow and develop. Yes. And that excites me, you know, and, and providing opportunities for people and, um, showing the world how to really appreciate new ideas and, and things like that. So, I don't know when we're going to stop. I probably <laughs> stop when I'm just like, can't do it, and I'm just too Your tired. My hair's all gray. My hair's all gray. I've <laughs> lost a leg or something. Um, but the plans are to just keep um, expanding. Obviously, we want to grow Gezzo's to multiple locations, Sweet Auburn possibly too. Okay. Um, and Lazy Betty, we're just taking it one step at a time and and um, really hoping the the community continues to embrace us which they already have. And um, from there, I don't know. Yeah. Just try to open up more places. Absolutely. And, Keep it rolling. Yeah. So real quick, I just want to be, with with the word community that you just mentioned, um, 
as we've gotten to know each other and become better friends, something that we've both have a, a heart and a passion for is our community mm-hmm. and and Atlanta and um, and being able to to appreciate and give back because of how good this city's been to us and all the opportunities that it's um, provided us. So. Could you just talk a little bit real quick about your your heart for the community and some of the things that you would like to do with your restaurant? Yeah. Pull now. And now that you have a position to be able to do some stuff for the community, we've talked a little bit about it, but I'd love for, you know, our audience to hear what you, your passion for the community is and, and what you'd like to see happen. Yeah, sure. So I feel like um, every company has a why. Like, why do you do what you do? Yeah. And for our company, we do what we do because we want to provide a positive and, and unique experience with everyone we come in contact with. So that goes from our vendors to our guests to each other. And um, so that's kind of our why. And part of our uh, doing that is also our community. You know, we want to provide a positive experience for our community. So um, we're very fortunate enough now to where our finances are um, in a place where we are able to give back. And uh, we love doing that because it's just not only are you helping the community, but you're also sharing this experience with the people that come and support you Absolutely. and you're giving back and um, it's just kind of like a synergy, you yes. know? So anyhow, we do lots of events. I mean, um, for example, our my family, every year we have a barbecue party. Right. And so this year we're actually going to uh, partner with the Atlanta Mission and um, make it a fundraiser. And we expect Fantastic. probably 150 to 200 people to show up. Awesome. And um, my buddy at Creature Comforts, amazing folks over there, um, Chris Heron and his crew, they have, without hesitation, offered to sponsor the beer for so the party. Awesome. I love Tropicalia. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you guys got to check out, he's got this program called Get Comfortable. Okay. Which basically, I didn't know this, so I spoke to him. Athens is the fifth highest population of homeless people in the country. I had no idea. Yeah, in Athens. And so they're based in Athens, and so their program gives back to to that community. And when I told him about our cause, he was like, that's a no-brainer, you know, because it's the same purpose that they have. So great. So, yeah, we're having a party, and, you know, I have my buddy David Oliver who's in um, Book of Colors, and they're going to play some music for it. And so, you know, that's just one example. We probably do at least— five to t- probably 10 different fundraisers every year from High on the Hog at the Atlanta High Museum yeah. to, um, you know, partnering up with the Giving Kitchen and doing things with them. So we really enjoy giving back to the community and um, just helping out others. I love that so much. Uh, can I come to the uh, Can I come to the barbecue? I will be offended if you don't come and <laughs> you don't wait. bring so, your little boy that yeah, I, I saw pictures yeah, of. He's so cute. boy. Yes. All right, yeah. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait to see what happens with the barbecue and to just be a part of it and eat some really great food and, and meet a lot of great people. It's going to be a blast. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back after these messages. <laughs> Classic. Okay. Hey, Anita. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about family dynamics, working together in a restaurant so closely with your family. You've mentioned that your brother Howard 
uh, partnered with you and was, was one of the, your first believers in you as a new restaurant owner. Um, I know as a musician, I spend a lot of close quarters time with the rest of the guys in my band. Um, and it, it creates a closeness and a community, but you also get to know each other maybe more well than you want to. So um, talk a little bit about what it's like to work so closely with your family in a restaurant, owning and operating and how it helps. And then sometimes how maybe it's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, it's, you know, I've grown up in the restaurant business. So honestly, it's hard to compare it to any other I guess, work dynamic because I've always worked with my family. Right. So in a sense, I I really appreciate it deep down because I have people that I trust in every aspect of my yeah. business, you, you know. know. Um, yeah, my yeah. brothers, I trust them dearly. My mom, she's even though she doesn't work with us, you know, she supports and helps me with the kids. And occasionally she'll come in and she'll say, I was at Gezzo's the other day, and that guy, he was so slow. People were, were getting mad and leaving, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this lady's She's ran- doing quality control. Totally, yeah. She's been in the restaurant business for 30 years, so I trust when her she— eye. Yeah, her yeah, eye. Yeah. Um, my dad helps us run— the the Sweet Auburn Curb Market. Okay. And so, you know, it's really nice. Um, the difficult part is it's hard to keep things professional because, you know, you're used to like slapping each other, you know, in the face when you're mad at each other. <laughs> yeah, or what you really want. Yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and calling each other names and, <laughs> you know, and um, yeah. So it's really hard because, you know, you know each other on a much deeper level. Yes. So I've realized now that it's it's becoming even more challenging because the bigger your company grows, the the more hats you wear. Mm. And so, for example, recently Howard and I had to have like a little bit of a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Um, actually, last week because our company is growing to the point where we're having to shift a little bit. And we, I guess, have never, we realize we've never kind of given each other a performance evaluation, you know? So we do it all the time for our staff, but as leaders of the organization, we have to kind of question each other, like, okay, are you bringing what the company needs and vice versa? Yeah. So, um, and that's like, you Honest. know, how often do you have that kind of conversation with your brother? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and your so kind of sensitivities can, yeah. can, can be there, you and know? Yeah, there were some feelings that were definitely hurt, <laughs> and sure. I will admit that I may not have spoken to him in the <laughs> nicest way when I, I, was, I was mean, and he called me out, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so mean. And then I realized, like, okay, we got to step back. Uh-huh. We got I need to talk to him like I would talk to one of my GMs Big because— time. Yeah, he, he we, we work together, so we need to keep things professional. So it can be stressful in that regard, but in the end, you know, we know we'll always be there for each other, and um, the loyalty and the trust cannot be beat than working with your family. You Absolutely. Know? And, um, honestly, I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else but Howard. I mean, he really gets me. He's always been there to support me. I mean, I'm talking about my youngest memory was when I was three years old with pigtails, I had these bullies in the neighborhood threw my Cabbage Patch doll down this creek, and I ran home crying just because I was mad. And he immediately went out and beat those kids up. And I was like, oh. You're like, he's got my back. Yeah, I, I, like, I wasn't expecting that. But, I mean, truly, that's my earliest memory. And to this day, I'm 100,000% committed to my brother because I know that 
he's always going to be there for me and he feels the same. And yeah. so, you know, restaurant business is tough. Going on music tours is tough. And yes, you is. need to know that the people that are in it with you have your back. Absolutely. And will, you know, lead it, lead the venture to success no matter what. That's amazing. Gives yeah. me a lot more respect for Howard now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. I love my brother. Right on. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about... So we, I've, in the past, I've had kids come up to me and they see me playing shows and they see me on a stage and they kind of, you know, they go, they want to do it. They want to, they want to be there. They want to live that, the life they think they want to live. Um, and so I used to, I used to give kids advice and I had to stop doing it because it would be too real and too heavy. <laughs> they um, would quit. Yeah. In particular, I remember this, we were playing at Penn State at this college and we were down at this bar and this kid comes up to me, he's a drummer and he's smiling real huge. And he's like, what, what does it take? You know, I want to play drums. And so I started trying to tell him, hey, man, you got to be willing to do this for 15 years, probably not make very. And I just watched the smile disappearing (laughs) off his face (laughs) as as the reality of what I was telling him was setting in that this is hard, you know. And so but I but I felt a need to make to be realistic with these kids that if you want to be a musician for life, if you want to run a restaurant, own and operate it, you're signing up for a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And this isn't going to be all just glamorous star studded moments of being on stages or being in front of cameras talking about how great and easy things are. So um, I, I would ask you, what are some, some advice, some tips, some things that you can talk to somebody who might be out there thinking about starting up a restaurant or wanting to start up a food venture of their own. Maybe they're going to culinary school. Yeah. You can learn to be a great chef, but you need a host of other skills mm-hmm. to fold into your toolbox so that you're you're prepared whenever the opportunity presents itself for you to maybe move into a venture of your own. So talk a little bit about what it takes to to really get to where you're at and um and some advice for somebody that might be out there thinking about getting into the restaurant world. Yeah, I think some advice would be to surround yourself with people who will challenge you constantly. Huge. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, here's the thing. If you love doing something, it, nothing's going to stop you from doing that. So okay. True. So even if you're not making tons of money, if you love drumming or you love cooking, you're still going to cook. Right. It's just a matter of how you want to develop that and how you want to grow it. And so when you're talking about, should you continue to cook or should you continue to play music? That's that's good. That's an easy question. You're going to do that no matter what. Right. So my advice would be surround yourself and continue to constantly develop relationships with all different types of people. You know, understand how the legal aspect works of the business. Continue to understand about how the business startup part of the business works. Um, Develop a good relationship with people in your personal life that can help support you. And I don't mean financially, but mentally mentally, and emotionally just be there for you and that understand what you're going through is going to be challenging and that they're going to continue to encourage you. Um, And so I would say that. I would also say, secondly, 
continue to educate yourself because no matter how amazing right. of a drummer or how amazing you feel like you're you're you are at cooking, there's always going to be people out there that are doing something new, doing yeah. something different. So true. And if you think what you have is the best thing out there, then it's probably <laughs> not because yes. the other people who are more open to learning and accepting and developing new ideas are 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 what I think that's what you need to do is continue to educate yourself. And then the third thing I would say is um, don't focus on the end game so much, but focus on tomorrow. Meaning, yeah, you may want to be rich and famous, but really what are you going to do tomorrow? So good. That's going to get you to rich and famous, you know? So are you going to practice 10 hours tomorrow? Are you going to, Call up that guy that you know that works on this amazing, I don't know, like that has this amazing ingredient on his farm. So you can go and taste test it and work with it and really get to know it. You know, so don't think so much in the future. Have that in the back of your mind, but really thinking about every day, those little things that you can do to continue to get to you to that place. Um, And so there's, there's a a million things I could say, but those are kind of like, it's it's very, I think um, it's important to realize that whatever goal that you're going to set for yourself, music, cooking, you know, any medium, you ca- you have to have a team and you mm-hmm. have to learn how to work with other people mm-hmm. and you can't do all of this stuff by yourself so you have to be very proactive like you're saying and mm-hmm. building the right relationships with the right people mm-hmm. and also opening up your mind so that you you're you have a willingness to learn mm-hmm. learn new things adopt things cuz you know you might I've I've found you know even say like this podcast this is something that developed through the band that I wasn't necessarily thinking about at first and mm-hmm. then it and then it comes through relationships with Stephen and and different people and so you've learned how to build a team I think team building is very important mm-hmm. if you're going to be successful in any of these worlds but everything yep. you just said is. I think fantastic advice for anyone listening. No matter what world you're working Absolutely. in, you've got to you've got to open up your mind and be able to a- adapt and absorb some new information and some new looks, or you're going to be watching people pass you by. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much for for sharing some of your insights in, from your world with with our audience. Yeah, I hope I hope people um, embrace it. <laughs> they should. They should. So, lastly, as we wrap this, is there any? What currently are you working on? And have a passion for that you'd like to to kind of plug and talk about in this in the closing minutes here of the podcast. So we just opened up Lazy Betty in Candler Park literally f- about four weeks ago, and so I'd love everyone to follow us Absolutely. at Lazy Betty ATL. Yeah. Uh, follow oh. Gezos at Gezos and follow Sweet Auburn at Sweet Auburn BBQ. Um, we're always doing new things. We're doing pop ups all the time. We're collaborating. So. Any anything anyone wants to shoot at me, I'd love yeah. to talk. And um, and you guys also have catering and food trucks as well, right? Yes. You operate. Talk a little real quick. Plug those real quick. Yeah. Well. So Gezos has a food truck, and we cater all over Atlanta. So between office parties, birthday parties, uh, meetings, uh, Gezos and Sweet Auburn both have catering operations to fulfill those needs. Um, and then we have our brick and mortar stores. Uh, Two in Henry County, and then uh, the Sweet Auburn is going to be off North Highland Avenue, and then in the historic uh, Sweet Auburn Curb Market. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, you guys are taking over Atlanta, and I love <laughs> it. I absolutely love it. And I will be down to to Lazy Betty soon to uh, eat some Iran's fantastic food. I mean, all the pictures I'm seeing on social media looking 
incredible. Yeah, so, we'd love to have you guys. Thank you so much, Anita. I have such a good time sitting down talking with you and, and just gabbing about different things. So let's do this again soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we want to thank you again for checking out the Tim Berry podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe, rate us, review us, love us, check us out, and keep listening to the episodes. Thanks. Thanks.